This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I know this is one of those dog days of the summer and it's not the easiest to get everybody here tonight, so appreciate everybody coming. It's this is a hard one, so I understand that even those online Parshdeik, everybody, 5781. Here's what we got. You will consume all the nations that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you. And listen to this. You may not pity them with your eyes. Right? Don't serve their idols. Because that's a snare for you. That's a trap for you. You won't be able to get out of that. Do not get involved in what they do. Now the Ibn Ezra says this is a mitzvah. He calls it a mitzvah for Ben Esau to destroy the nations living in Eretz Canaan like someone who decides to eat bread and consumes the bread. The proof that this is a mitzvah is from those words, lo sachos encha, don't pity them, which seems to be almost like a kiyom of a lav. If you don't pity them, you'll be makayim, a mitzvah by doing so. You have to consume them, take them over completely, Finish them off, literally, like a piece of bread. The Abiyazri explains that if this was just a suggestion, then lo sachos in chaleim would be above vilo sachos in chaleim. You also wouldn't be able to do it. I, I, you got to ask me afterwards. Right. So vilo sachos in chaleim. Then it has to be that way. Without the vav, lo sachos in seems to be something entirely different. Almost like another thing. And therefore, the Ibn Ezra says, it's a mitzvah, it's a full mitzvah. The Orachim HaKadr says, it's a mitzvah asay. Now listen to this. Normally we say that if it comes from the words lo sachos encha, a lav, that would be, even if though the, the actual thing that you're doing is an assay, you're killing the nations, getting rid of the seven nations, but lo sachos encha is a kiyom of a lav. You'd think that it's that, but no, he says. This is an additional mitzvah assay. Ben Israel is being told to destroy every single person there. The Pasuk is telling us not to leave any person alive. Lo sachos encha. And he calls it. That's how he says, that's a mitzvah assay to destroy those seven nations. And if you don't do so, you're going against the Kaddish Baruch Hu's word. And that's harsh. That's super, super harsh. Niamhali says this as well. He calls it a mitzvah assay and a mitzvah lo He's calling it somewhat of an assay in a strange fashion. But Rabbi Yudah Asad says something amazing over here. Says the Maria Asad, this mitzvah includes not making a bris with any of the seven nations that one should root after all of those things completely so that Avodazar is completely gone and there's absolutely nothing left. He says that the reason for this is because every nation is connected to a malach above. That Malach is the God that they worship. We gave a shir two years ago exactly on that, and I think you all know this. This is the, the, the mitzvah that we have is we can't allow them to serve their gods properly, and we for sure can't get involved with this. Maybe that's why we have to make sure that there's not one person left, not one person left alive, because that would mean that their angel is destroyed. And if the angel is destroyed and uprooted completely, then the entire nation is gone completely. Yes, Shlomo. Depending, 
It depends. So yes, whatever it means by the nation that lives in Eretz Yisrael under that mazel. And you're right, if there's a Kanani that's living outside of Eretz Kanan, what's the status of that person, right? Or a man from outside that's in Eretz Kanan, what's the status of that person? That's a good question. I don't know what the mazel would be under, but it sounds to me like they would be under a different mazel and therefore a different malach, so to speak. So therefore, they wouldn't have to worry about them. But however, the Barbanel says it's not a mitzvah at all. It's continuing the flow of the psukim over here. Akiv Tishmun is if you listen to my mitzvahs, you're going to get rewarded. Part of the rewarded, the reward for this is, is that you're going to fight and everyone's going to bow down in front of you. You're going to win these wars as if it's not even a challenge. You'll be feared by everyone. You'll be able to win every battle because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us every single time. You might think that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing this anyway, we might as well have mercy on them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will finish it off for us. What's the big deal? That's why the Pasuk tells us, That's what the Abarbanel says, that a person has to do what a Kaddish Baruch Hu told him to do, even if it's hard for him, he has to go ahead and do it so that you don't come to worship the idols. Now, why does the word achila get used here? Meaning we're consuming them. As we set up above, we're eating them, the Ibn Ezra says. What's the shot behind that? So the Miyamwe says that the lushan of achila is used to teach us that just like it's impossible to exist without eating, so too it's impossible to continue to exist in Eretz Yisrael while these nations remain alive. You might think to yourself, what's the big deal? They'll live in their cities, we'll live in our cities, we'll have nothing to do with them. What's the big deal? The answer is there's a big deal here. If you allow them to live, you will follow them. You'll do what they do, you'll follow what they follow, you'll worship their gods. You cannot allow it to be, you have to get rid of them. It's, it should be to you, it's as if it's impossible for me to keep them around. That's the idea behind Refersh. Yeah. I don't understand why The word achila is in the comparison to achila of bread. Just like when you eat bread, you can't live without it. In other words, I can't live without eating bread, without eating something in order to sustain my body. So too, you can't live without getting rid of these seven nations. So it's not the bread per se. It's about the eating of the bread. In other words, I have to eat to survive. That's the idea behind it. Rav Hirsch says the word achal is used with the word cherev in certain places. It refers to destroying something by the sword. However, it refers over here, says Refersh, to a war of preservation, a war to eat and consume, to be able to take in for oneself, as opposed to a war of objective destruction. I'm using that as a quote from Refersh, of objective destruction. Meaning, it's like this, he says, we're supposed to destroy these nations, but only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels that this is the best thing for us. Not because we think it's the best thing for us. We're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this because we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do this way. And Rev. Victor Miller says the same. He says, Achal means to consume with the intention of getting benefit from what you're consuming. That's what it means over here. To consume the nations and get benefit from those nations that we are then consuming over there. The Ksavah Kabbalah says the exact same thing. The Tosefis Bracha says the Shoresh of the word Achila is the word Kala, to destroy it, which is what happens to the food when I consume it. It goes into my stomach and is destroyed. It's completely gone. The Aleph is an addition, and we see that in other places it doesn't have to be a prefix. It could be something that's not part of the Shoresh. So Kala is the real word over here. And therefore, you can use this word in many different ways. It can mean killing, destroying, eating, taking away from. That's what a Chal means because it really stems from the word Kala to thoroughly destroy something, get rid of something completely. Now, the Kliakr does not say it in this Pasuk, but he says this wording teaches us that we're allowed to take their possessions and use it for ourselves. And the reason why is because the, anything that stems from our brachos, 
and given over to the other nations, like the extra rain that we got, or even the mun that was eaten by the rest of the nations around us. Yeah, the nations also saw the mun and were able to take from it if they saw it, that they consumed. Those things were as if they were gifts given from us. And therefore, that works that we're allowed to take from them in that case. However, says the Kliyakar, that's only true and you're only allowed to take when we're in charge and acting with Sidkus. You can't just go up to people and just grab things away from them because we're the people in charge. That's evil. That sounds unbelievably evil. It's when we're acting with Sidkus and they're acting as Rishayim, then we're allowed to take something. But if we're not acting with Sidkus or they're not acting as Rishayim, then it's absolutely usher. And we're going to go through this a little bit later because, in fact, the Gemara and Babakama uses this Pusik to teach us that it's usher to steal from a non-Jew. This is the source. Where does it say you're not allowed to steal from a non-Jew? It says lo sigzel, obviously, but that, that seems to be within context of a Jewish person. This Pusik seems to tell us that you're only allowed to take this in this situation. That's the only time that lo sachos in chalem, that you can't have pity on them. But in every other situation, it's also. And we'll have to see exactly how that applies and where to apply that idea. The Malbim says, we know that domain objects, for example, like things that don't move on the ground, dirt or whatever it is, are food for tzomeach objects. In other words, plants grow from little nutrients that are in the ground. Chai, an, an animal, gets its nourishment from the tzomeach. It eats from the plants on the ground. And even though there are some chai that eat from other chai, in other words, some animals eat other animals, right? But the basic idea is, is that chai eats someach and someach eats domim. And of course, Adam eats chai, right? In other words, we eat animals. And that makes sense. It goes within the idea of how a person's supposed to be. So too, a medaber, a person who eats a chai, can have that in of itself might be food, for someone who's on a higher level. If a Jew is on the level of what would be a Yisrael, a Shomer Torah Mitzvos, then the Medaber, says the Malbim, can become food for these people. The Moabim hinted to this in the beginning of Parshish Balak. They said, Ata We're afraid that B'nai Yisrael is going to consume us the same way an ox consumes, a, a shore, a bull consumes the Yerek Asada. In a way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mazmin their parnasa, B'nai Yisrael's parnasa, through the other nations. And I'm trying to say this carefully, because obviously this could be taken in the completely wrong way. That everybody else in the world, all non-Jews, are immediately food for Jewish people. And that's absolutely not true, and that's not the point whatsoever. The point is, is that if a Yisrael is doing the right thing, then all medabers are meshubed to the Yisrael. The Yisrael could be anybody. It's a person who the whole world is there for, is there. The w- same way we say that in the times of Mashiach, there will be avadim for Klau Yisrael, that the nations of the world will be our avadim. It's not that they're literally our slaves up, in, up to our, you know, waiting for our command and doing everything we want to do. It's that all the people out there are sitting there. They have the ability to understand what the Yisrael is if we act in that fashion and in that way we can become the ultimate the way that everything moves up a level it, the Malvum doesn't say this exactly in this way but the Abarbanel, Abarbanel mentions the rule a, tzom, a, a tzomeach can actually be metaking a domain 
fix the domain and bring it up to a higher level. A chai can do the same to a tzomeach. And a medaber, a person, can do that to a chai by eating an animal. You can do that. And so too, um, ben, ben Yisrael, a Jew, has the ability to bring up even a medaber by using him in a certain way, by allowing him to work for him in a certain way, to make things happen in the proper fashion. And that could be what David Melech was referring to in the Gemara and Brachos in the first parak, Gimelom, Bez, Dalem, and Aleph, when the people were coming to him and saying, what should we do for Parnassah? There's not enough. What are we supposed to do? And David said, take a gedud, take an army, and go and grab. What that means is not that Chas Shalom, that David Melech was like, all right, well, we don't have any money, so go grab things from other people. Steal, grab things from other, you know, wage war on someone, take their stuff and bring it back here. It's not what David Melech means. It's not what David Melech would do. That's an evil thing to do, to take innocent people and grab their money and take it for yourself because you don't have enough. That's unbelievably evil. But it means to allow this nation to be a part of ours, to be able to show them what we have to show and to bring them up in a different fashion, not literally fighting them, but to allow for other things to happen, for a Kaddish Baruch Hu to bring those nations in in a way so that they're all part of our system. Yeah, Paul? Didn't, didn't, when David Mel said, didn't like, the elders come up to him and say, you can't do this? He said, you're, you're not. No, they agreed with it. They went to the Sanhedrin. They had to advise. Plant and like make more like that. He suggested, why not trade within ourselves? And they said, in a the pit cannot be filled up from all the dirt around the side, which means we can't get it from within ourselves. So, which Davin Amel said, okay, so bring, go out and go get, a, go get an army and go fight someone and go bring back all that spoils. But that can't be. Again, that's what I'm trying to... That can't be. It's not about that. It's not about fighting. It's about understanding that everybody in the world has a purpose. Find that purpose. Find what they need and make that trade. Make that trade route with them to be able to make it good and beneficial for everybody involved. That's the way that I understand it. And I think the Malbim is saying just that. And the Barbanel is saying that as well. This is the way of the natural world to consume and take over the life form that's on the level below you. Here, don't just consume them show them what it means and use them in a way where you could be metaking them as well, bringing them up in a certain way. Literally by the Canaanim, this is about killing them because they couldn't be in this world anymore. But by everybody else, it's not that way and there's other things that a person can do. Rav Hirsch says we repeat this command over and over again. You have to destroy the seven nations. Don't allow them to live. And the reason why is because this merciless procedure was completely against the grain of the Jewish people and what they're meant to be, which is the purpose to protect every living creature on earth. When B'nai Yisrael were told to destroy seven nations and not have mercy on them, they blanched at that. They, they, they stepped there and said, what are you talking, how in the world could you ask us to do this? They were shocked. But this is an exception. And because it was an exception due to special circumstances that the seven nations of Eretz Canaan had to be destroyed, it had to be repeated over and over again so a Kaddish Baruch Hu gets in their heads. I know this is against your system. I know this isn't what you want to do. It doesn't make a difference. You have a special command from Hashem to do it in this situation. The Torah more says again, this is a continuation of the Pesukim above. Baruch Tiyami Kol Amim. You're going to be blessed from all the other nations. B'nai Yisrael are a nation that stays away from murder, adultery, theft, and of course, Avodah We stay away from it. If we do that and we deserve the bracha that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to give us, then we'll have the ability to get rid of these nations that are filled with evil sins. We'll get rid of all of the evil in the world. And everything else that comes with it. So that everything is completely gone. If you're careful not to worship those idols or serve things that should never be served, the result 
Vachaltas Kolamim. That will be what will happen. And if you're not careful and you fall prey to them, then Chas Tashalim, you'll be consumed by them. We'll lose our Jewish identity. We'll forget the fact that we're supposed to be in our Tisral and everything will be gone completely. There will be nothing left. The Shach says it a little bit differently. He says, because you're going to be successful, you're going to bring about all this bracha in the world, including healing the world's sicknesses and causing wealth to abound everywhere. There will be many nations who are going to love you. They're going to try to go up to you and try to become friends with you. That... These things, which you say, you might think to yourself, well, how can I get rid of my friends? These guys are my friends. They want what's good for me. I want what's good for them. Why should there be anything over here? And this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, don't have pity on them. Consume them like bread, even if they don't realize why you're doing it. It's because of the future and what's going to happen in the future. I don't, I don't want to get into the you know, situations like this, but obviously there are some pretty horrible things that if you leave them around, what could be at the end of the day? And we hope it never happens to anybody. But our, our past is replete with stories of people becoming friends with the other nations and then something happening. It's not a great situation, and it's something there. Now, I do want to differentiate over here. That is different. This is a different law than what we're dealing with now. There's the muster aspect, which is probably not the best idea, and then there's the actual law aspect, which is the seven nations of Canaan you couldn't play around with. This wasn't something where you could be like, well, maybe, 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 maybe. Those were evil people who had to be destroyed. And that's something completely different. But this is something that everybody in Klal Yisrael has to understand and realize, and how the Shach says it, that when we bring that bracha about in the world, right, we have to do something which might be really, really hard to do. As Refer says, it was hard for anyone to hear it. Now, Why? The Ramban says it's because these nations were Ovdea Bodezara and should have been killed had they followed the Shevamitzis B'nai Noach. The concept of eating them, we see, because Kalev and the Meraglim, right, when he was fighting with the Meraglim, Kalev and Yeshua told the Meraglim just that, Kilach Menuhem, they are our bread. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going out with that. Those were the seven nations. On those nations, we say, you should consume the nations like their bread. We say it in Tillam as well. If they decided to have mercy on them, like Shaul Melech did with Agag, king of Amalek, that would lead to something that's going to be terrible for Claudius. So just remember, Shaul Melech lost his kingdom because he had mercy on Agag, king of Amalek. And it's true by any judge as well, says the Ramban. If you decide to have mercy when you're supposed to make a judgment, then in the end, you will lose out. This guy is going to do something else, and it's going to be on your head as a judge because you could have put him away, and you didn't do so. The question that's asked by everybody, like, what do we do with this person? Listen, I, I am, by a penitent, by a person who's done tshuva, a person who doesn't deserve to go to jail, that's one thing. But if a person did something which is deserving of jail according to the law, having mercy on that person could lead to an understanding I'm not going to be punished anyway. I might as well do something else. And that's something that everybody has to understand. The Panim Yafos talks about the Orachayim Akadur says, again, Rachamei Rishayim Achzarim. It's a Pasukim Mishla Yud Beis Yud. The Rachamim that a person might have on somebody evil is cruel because he thinks he's being rewarded for his bad behavior. There's a din that in order to be appointed to Sanhedrin, you have to have children because you have to know how to have mercy on other people. That's true. You have to have mercy on other people. But because of that, you have to be so careful that you're not being overly Rachmanis, overly Rachmanim on other people. And if you do that, the worst thing that could possibly happen, then you'll get trapped. And that trap is entirely on you and on your head. The Oznaim Latorah says, this is the classic line of any men, anybody who's against the Torah, 
He says, God sounds like a bloodthirsty pirate who just sits there and wants us all to kill everyone and maim everybody in blood. I have a relative who told me that the reason why she isn't from is because all of the, the whole Torah is filled with war. Now, the truth is, there's not that much war in the Torah itself. There are, obviously. We have Avram Avinu, our man of kindness, fighting a war against the four kings. We do have it, right? Against Midian, against Og, Sichon. And Navi, we have it all over the place. You're right. In Nach, we have it in many, many places. But it does sound like, right? HaKadosh Baruch who's this bloodthirsty pirate. It's like, arr, kill all the nations, right? And that sounds terrible. Like, why in the world would we want that? He says, this is the Oznayim Torah. He says, these people think they know better. Because they have mercy and they understand things clearer than God does, chas v'shalom. They look at a case like Shiluah HaKan and they say, you're throwing away the mother bird and taking the babies? How dare you? That's unbelievably cruel. Why would you do that to such a bird? Says, as Naim Torah says, Rav Zalman Sarotskin, this line of reasoning will eventually cause you to worship idols. It doesn't mean if you leave the nations here, you will worship their idols because they'll be around. You'll be like, oh, that's cool. I want to do like them. No, 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 no. If you start being kind when you're supposed to be cruel, if you have a mitzvah, and that mitzvah is you have to do this, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to do it this time because it doesn't make any sense to me, then when other things happen that don't make sense to you, you won't do them either. You'll start looking at the mitzvahs and you'll say, this makes sense to me, so I'll do it. This doesn't, so I'm not going to do it. This Gemara makes sense to me, so I'll learn it. This Gemara doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to do it. That part of the Torah makes sense to me. I'm sure it was written by God. But that part of the Torah, chas v'shalom, doesn't make any sense to me, so therefore I'm not going to go ahead and do it. That line of reasoning, it's not that the nations are around and therefore you'll follow their gods. It's that if you don't do what I'm telling you to do here, then eventually you'll start doing things on your own. This is the idea. And, and, and he says those on the Torah. Let's see, who has less morals? Who has less morals or more morals? A Talmud Chacham who's told by the Torah to kill Amalek or, let's say, these atheists who believe they know more or the Ovdea Vodazara who tell their constituents to do whatever you want, just love God or a person who doesn't believe in the Torah whatsoever but follows his own moral rules. Do we really think that either one of those last three are more moral than a Talmud Chacham who is told to kill Amalek? Do we really think that the Talmud Chacham that are growing with this Torah are the people that have less morals than the other three? Now, I don't want to say anything bad about individuals. Maybe there is an individual who is atheistic, who is an unbelievably moral person. That is definitely possible. There's no question there could be a person who stumbled upon the truth. Even though he doesn't believe in God, there is a possibility for something like that to happen. But this is such a, a, such a loss in our society today where we look at it and we say like, well, yeah, there's clearly something up. And that's why, says the Aznan Torah, it's called a mokesh at the end of the Pasuk, a trap. It's called a trap. On the outside, it looks great. You think it makes sense. You think everything's in order. You think everything is just the way it's supposed to be. But deep down, you realize there's something wrong here. And that's a form of Avodah That's something that leads to something like Avodah And that's what we're the most afraid of. The Shach points out this unbelievably shocking thing, which helps us understand, helps understand this in a better light. This Pusik is telling us to destroy our enemies and show them no mercy. Okay? It sounds unbelievably evil. The Pusik starts off with a Vav and ends with a Chaf. The Gematria of 26, obviously the Gematria of Yudke Vavke. There are 21 words in the Pusik. 
for the shame of Aleph Hey Yud Hey, which is obviously as well, we all know that's another name of mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The shame Havaya and the shame Ekia are both in this Pasuk to show you that even though it sounds like God is being cruel, God is going against everything, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu really has unbelievable Rachamim. Now the Shach says, if you destroy the angels, we said, destroy the nations, we said above, you're going to destroy their guardian angels above, who are going to be upset at you and take you down. You might think the best thing to do, you might think the best thing to do is to dive into them and ask them to have mercy on you and to appease them so that they don't hurt you. You destroyed their nation, so you dive into their angel and say, please, Mr. Angel, don't hurt me. I know you're the angel of the land of Amori or the land of Canaan or the land of the Chiti, the Chivi, the Avusi, the Girgashi. Don't kill me. Don't do that. That's a mistake says the Shach, Lo sabotis don't do that. And that's part of Lo Yelohim Achirim Alpanai, to wor- worry about such things right over there. And that's the same thing with the Maral Diskin. Don't make this into an ideological war. Don't put yourself in there and say like, well, what if, what if, don't ask questions. Just do what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is telling you to do. If he's telling you to do it, thank God, we don't have this mitzvah today, so we don't have to worry about it. But that was something that they had to do, they had to go through, and they had to say right over there. Tzvaris Yonasan says there's something else to worry about over here. There are many who say that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is only good. He cannot do bad. And it does sort of make sense, right? How could evil stem from a god? Doesn't that make sense, like in a way, to be able to say it? We know that the concept is that a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so to speak, does Hester Punim to allow for bad to come into the world, as if to say that he turns his face so that the evil can exist in the world itself. But everything stems from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They claim that it's demons and mazikin that cause bad things to happen. And therefore, we should appease those demons to be able to say something different. Maybe the people here will think that when we go to Eretz Canaan, yes, we get to take over the land, but the seer Azazel is necessary. Maybe we got to send a goat to Azazel to, to destroy those nations the same way we do it on Yom Kippur. Maybe there's something else we need to do. And on that, we're said, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled that you don't have to worry about. Now, as I said before, Interestingly enough, this Pasuk in Baba Kama Kufiyad Gimel Beis is the source for why we know you're not allowed to steal from Goyim. And that is a true fact. This is against what a lot of people think, that you're allowed to steal from Goyim. That's not true. Ta'us akum, if a non-Jew makes a mistake, then it's mutter for you to keep if you can't make a Kiddush Hashem by giving it back. If there's Hashavas Aveda, Avedas akum is the same way. If... If there's a Chilol Hashem involved or you're not going to make a Kiddush Hashem and giving it back, you're allowed to keep it. You're allowed to keep it. But otherwise, Gezel Akum is 100% Usr. And there's no question about that. Gezel Akum is considered Usr. Yes, there may be a Rishon or an Achron who we don't hold of who might hold that Gezel Akum is Mutter. But we don't hold that way. And it's from this Pasuk. Only when they're under your control, when you're in control, when they're in your hands, such as during the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, when Hashem put them in our hands for us to be able to destroy them, that's when this is mutter to take their stuff. But you cannot do it otherwise. And even then, the Torah Tumim points out, this is only when you have to go to war against them. You can't just go up to the nations that are living under you, under your civilian rule, and take their things away from them. That's obvious, and it's understood from a Pasuk in Bahar, Shabim Kanehu. You can't just steal stuff from your Avadim, and that's an obvious thing. This is repeated by the Nitziv, quoting Mesecha Sofrim, Parak Tezvav, Tosvos, Avodah Zarachav, based from the Yushalmi, only in the time of war itself. Rabbi Vigdor Miller quotes Josephus, and this is an unbelievable quote. Our forefathers did not betake themselves to robbery, as did some others, nor did they, in order to gain more wealth, fall into foreign wars. The Greeks and Romans invaded even far-off lands for tribute and to build their empire. But we, says Ravigdor Miller, remained content 
unless we were warred upon by others. We were people of wisdom. We were people of the book, which leads to kindness and understanding. It made no sense to the kings of Israel to destroy others. That's what this Maimar Chazal is teaching us. And yes, there were exceptions. Obviously, there were exceptions. There were people that did not follow the line that everybody else followed by. But for the most part, that's who we are. That's what we are as a nation. And therefore, it is usher for us to do anything to the other nations and take from them that's not in the way that the Pusik describes it as being mother. Yeah. There, there's a question in when to do a Mohammed Rishus in order to add on to Israel. Like, for example, Aram Sova and Aram Narayim that were added on by Dabir Melech in Surya, etc. Those are big questions what the status is of Eretz Israel and what they did with it. Were those wars in which they destroyed or they wars in which they were worried about something that's going to happen later? For example, David Melch has given a nevuah by Nassim and Navi that he's told he's not going to build the base of Mikdash. He wanted to build the base of Mikdash. He's told it's not going to be you. It's going to be in the days of your son. So what David Melch then went and did is he fought against the nations that he knew were antagonists so that Shlomo Melch would have a peaceful reign. What he did was he made sure... It's sort of like he went as far as he could to make sure that any nation that was going to fight them in the future, he would take care of right then. And that's Mutter. And that was when he expanded the kingdom to make sure that there would be more and more peace. And it worked for a very, very long time, for almost 50 years. And in historical perspective, that is a long time for a time of peace, right? It worked and it was perfectly fine for all the people. The question is when to do that. And you need a Navi. If you don't have a Navi with you, that's a very difficult thing to take on. And therefore, David Melech was able to do it because he knew he had Nassim Navi by his side telling him what to do all the way through. I, I think that's the best answer that I can give for something like that. I will say the Miam Lawes says that Gezel Akum, stealing from a non-Jew, might even be worse than stealing from a Jew because it causes a massive chilul Hashem. Because they look at the Torah and they say, the Torah allows this, then the Torah is not real. That's what they think to themselves. That's why we're required to return anything stolen from a non-Jew, even though Tosakum is mutter. If you see it and it's stolen, it must be returned. However, we're not allowed to fool them, even though Tosakum is mutter. We're not allowed to fool them into making a mistake and saying something like that. What you have to do is, you have to say, look, I'm relying on you. You make the cheshben. Okay, you make the calculation. And if he's off, you don't have to correct him. But other than that, you are not allowed to make him make a mistake. Like, oh, I think you just gave me one. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you just you can't do stuff like that. That you're not allowed to do. That is why Yaakov Avinu told the Shvatim to give back the money they paid the Egyptians for the grain that they, retur- that they were given. Because even though it's Tozakum, they made a mistake. They gave them back their money bags. Nonetheless, and they were definitely Ovdev Odezara, he wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem. That's exactly what Yaakov Avinu wanted to do, and therefore he returned it publicly. That was before Matan Torah. There was no such thing as a real Kiddush Hashem just yet. Kolsha came by us. That's the concept of what we have over here. But there is another way of learning the word of Alchalta. The Panam Yapo Safla says that the Iker here is to take from them all their sparks of Kedusha. Every person in the world has Nitzotzos HaKedoshim, sparks of Kedusha that's within them, and you have the ability to take it for yourself. This can be done through Machshava and Maisa. Not Maisa as in killing them, Chas v'shalom. although in this case, by the seven nations, it did have to do with killing them. It has to do with being able to find what that person did and find the good in them, and being able to darshan out for good, to be able to take it in for good itself. 
And that way, this nation no longer has the evil that they're using the Kedusha for. It does something a little bit different. Even if you don't mean to do anything with them or be affected by them, just because they're around you, you could be affected badly. And that's why it's so important to be able to take it away. The Chidah wonders in Parshish Matos why B'nai Yisrael were not warned about Agalas Kalim and Tuma by the wars of Sichon and Og, only by the war of Midian. Why is it, he says, that by Sichon and Og, they were allowed to take all their Kalim, all their food, all their stuff, and keep it for themselves. But when they fought against Midian, they had to do Agala. They had to kasher out the Kalim. Why is it only by Midian? What happened to Sichon and Og? Why was that different? Now the Ramban answers that because the wars of Sichon and Og were with all of Klau Yisrael, so in that, it's a Mohammed's mitzvah, which matured kadli de chazir. You could even eat pig, tray foods during those wars. Bituma, right? Tuma is hutra bitzibor. It's matured bitzibor because everybody's involved. But the war against Midian was only 12,000 people. A war with only 12,000 warriors, there are no such heterim. Therefore, they had to do, they had to worry about Tuma. Therefore, they had to do Agalas Kim. That's the Ramban's answer. The Chidah goes on that and says, there's a Radvaz. Rav David ben Zimra was a tremendous tzaddik. He was the Rav in Egypt at the time of the Arizal, around the times of the Arizal, he was the famous Shalashuvis Radvaz. He asks, Tumma is Hutra Betzibor by Korbanos that have a set Zman. When we say Tumma Hutra Betzibor, that's not just because a bunch of people are Tomei. We're like, ah, it's fine now. That's not how Tumma Hutra Betzibor works. After all, look at us right now. Every single one of us is Tomei Mace. So we just say, Tumma Hutra Betzibor, and we matter everything? Now we can just go up on Harabayas? We can't do that. That's not what Tumahotra Betzibor means. And it sounds like that's what the Ramban is saying. Says the Radvaz, Tumahotra Betzibor means by Korbanos, like the Korban Pasach or the Korban Tamid, when you don't have a choice, then Tumahotra Betzibor, you're allowed to do it, etc., if you don't have the ability to or whatever it is. But he says another answer, and it's amazing. He says, it could be that they were allowed to eat Tamid foods during this war. They could eat Nevelas and Trefas during the war of Sichon and Oak. They could eat Nevelas and Trefas. Not only that, they were allowed to eat human flesh if need be. If they're at war, and it's a melchama in which it's mutter, the kadli de chaziri, and all the other things that are there, you're allowed to do certain things, then even human flesh would be mutter since it's only an isra se, according to the Rambam. Rambam, Hilchos Machalos, Asurus, Perak Beis, Allah, Gimel, I think it is, right? It's only an isra se, and according to the Ramban, it might not even be an isra se. It's Osir, but it's not necessarily in Isra The hint is in our Pasuk. V'achalta is kol amim. When you're in a melchemes mitzvah, which is the war of the seven, seven nations, and you have to destroy them, you're allowed to do anything you want to do with the spoils, food, and even the flesh of the people that you're fighting up against. Literally, v'achalta is kol amim. You can eat the other nations. And that's why the word v'achalta is used. And maybe that's why the Meraglam said, kilach menuhim. We're allowed to fight them technically. We're even allowed to eat them, says the Chida. And perhaps that's the hatcher over here. I know that's something that's making everybody super hungry. Is that making you hungry? Gonna much more hungry for, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, that, that gets everybody. Usually gets everybody. But that's the point behind v'achalta's kolamim, that there's something there. Not just the kedusha that's within them that we're consuming and taking for ourselves, but the concept of being able to, even if we need to in a mochamis mitzvah, to eat that flesh if it has to be done. But to end on a better note, don't worry. And we have nothing like this mitzvah nowadays. Amalek exists. We hope to never have to use it. We hope that Amalek turns themselves around. That we never have to worry about this. But if it is, 
This is a mitzvah sasei to be able to do what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants us to do in that situation. We'll stop right there, guys. Have a great day.